It's now 20 minutes to 11, and here's another impressive species, Colin Peacock. Oh, steady on. Don't often get introduced <laughs> like that. I'll, I'll come again. I thought you'd like that. <laughs> Midweek Media Watch. Okay, let's start. We had a discussion about this actually on Lately just a few nights back. Uh, this Australian politician making a name for himself during the election campaign for putting down a journalist and creating a catchphrase in the process. Yes, this was Adam Bant, the leader of the Greens in Australia. And yeah, it has been widely discussed. I saw even uh, uh, the the old Daily Mail global content factory um, really bigging up on it. Can't think often that a, the utterance of a Green Party politician uh, would uh, make their global news pages. But yeah, he went viral. He faced a question uh, for, for people who haven't heard it. It was at the National Press Club of Australia, a press conference during the election campaign. And he faced this question uh, from a reporter about wages and inflation and the reporter in asking the question was clearly trying to catch him out. You said in the speech that uh, wages growth wasn't going uh, particularly well. What's the current WPI? Well, <laughs> Google it, mate. I mean... <laughs> that was deliberate baiting, wasn't it, by the journalist? Well, I think so, because as has been noted during the campaign, uh, the Labour leader, Anthony Albanese, he had tripped up on, I think, the inflation rate and the unemployment rate. And Scott Morrison, the incumbent prime minister, was caught out on those fairly typical election questions about the price of bread and milk and that sort of thing. So possibly um, it was... Uh, because uh, they'd already managed to gotcha uh, two of the other main, main candidates. But, you know, kind of interesting, the media response to this, I guess, because as you say, it's been talked about over the last six or seven days since that actually happened. So I guess the point he was making, Adam Bant, look, it doesn't actually matter if politicians can identify these economic stats to show that they're on the ball. Um, as, as some people commenting pointed out, the, the governance of the economy doesn't fall apart if the politicians in charge of it and the politicians supposed to be holding them to account in opposition can't immediately identify the correct number of the day. But in turning it around to call out the journalist trying to create these gotcha moments, I think that's where, you know, he he made inroads and got a lot of sympathy from people because he's saying, you know, this ought to be a contest of ideas, elections, that's how they should be. So Bent really doubled up or doubled down on that in that press conference. He, here's how he took it on a bit further just seconds later. There's these questions that are asked about can you tell us this particular stat or can you tell us that particular stat? And those questions are designed to show that politicians are somehow out of touch and not representative of everyday people. Well, newsflash, most of the people in Canberra are on six-figure salaries just passing time until they go out and work for their coal and gas corporations and get a six- or seven-figure lobbying job. Yeah, so there I reckon Adam Bant has been pretty cunning because he's, he's made his point about the media and the gotcha questions. He's turned the reporter's question back onto him and then gone on to kind of disregard the issue of wage price inflation, the WPI that was in the, the reporter's question there, and he's making the points he wants to make about the influence of the fossil fuel lobby and so on. Nothing to do with the question asked of him, and he's kind of playing political games, I think, as much of the reporter, but unusually uh, for a politician, you know, he's um, he's he's got away with it in, in, the, uh, in the eyes of the media. Um, so the Greens are really milking it. They've put that on their own YouTube channel, um, quoting banter saying politics should be about reaching for the stars, offering a better society. Um, and so the slogan they've put under that video on the YouTube channel is, the Greens have a vision for our future, Google it, mate. 
and they're selling Google at Mate t-shirts, unisex fair trade organic t-shirts, and they'll set you back uh, five cents shy of 40 Australian dollars. Oh, that's very clever. But does he risk, do you think, the media trying to get their own back? I think in the past when uh, politicians have snapped back at the media, they've... They've suffered for it. Um, you know, you, you, you do that. The headline could easily be, you know, Adam Bant blows up, you know, shoots the messenger, loses plot as he's unable to name, you know, the current WPI figure. It could have easily been that. The Green Party is not the favourite of Rupert Murdoch's News Corp operation and the Australian, the national newspaper, The Australian, often very harsh coverage of the Greens. You know, their story on it, um, you know, almost praising uh, Adam Bant, their story said, you know, the reporter who asked the question copped it hard from angry Adam Bant and really applauding uh, the Green Party politician. Then I thought, oh, right, so that reporter came from the Australian Financial Review, which is from the rival publishing stable, uh, the old Fairfax as was. Um, it's now called 9MSN, the people that used to own our stuff newspapers. So it could be that it's actually not the political hostility there of, of Murdoch's papers got trumped by um, you know their own uh, media self-interested, their media rivals. Um, but the uh, online outlet Crikey, which is very independent-minded, said here's, hope, uh, here's hoping uh, Bant's return serve We'll put an end to journalists asking five weeks of gotcha questions to our leaders to get the next sensational headline during an election campaign. And yes, as other papers have pointed out, both other major party leaders, the Labour and the Liberal leaders, have both been called out. And one of them, the City Morning Herald uh, writer Tony Wright, said, interestingly, even the former Liberal leader John Howard... Um, you know, who usually weighs in on behalf of his own party and, and backs them as a former prime minister. When he was asked by a reporter, you know, what do you think of the Labour leader getting it wrong about the inflation rate and unemployment? He just said, so what? You know, when he could have scored political points for his own side. So maybe in Australia, they're, uh, they're kind of over the gotcha stuff. Yeah, well, something for our politicians and political reporters to think on about, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, there has been a little bit of it lately. The Herald's uh, political reporter, Thomas Coughlin, uh, noted that um, the one Australian journalist in our press gallery, that's Ben McKay, who reports for the Australian AAP news agency, he put uh, questions to Chris Luxon on the official cash rate and unemployment rate, and he said Luxon uh, nailed them both and added the current level of the CPI Inflation, a consumer price index for good measure, um, whereas Megan Woods uh, appeared on the Mike Hosking breakfast and got it wrong on the cash rate, um, and she was about five or six years out on, on house prices as well, so she didn't do so well. Um, but, you know, I, I remember back in the 2020 campaign, those price of bread, price of milk questions were asked of uh, a lot of candidates. I remember Judith Collins getting them, Chloe Swarbrick, for example, and, you know, some New Zealand reporters on Twitter have been saying, look, let's just see if it comes up. It will be interesting to see next year during our campaign when someone will try it, putting those price of milk uh, type questions um, and the economic ones to the reporters. And it will be interesting to see if, if any of them play uh, the same card as Adam Bant and turn it back on the uh, the uh, reporters and tell them to just Google it because it's not important. And let's get on with the question, the, the uh, contest of ideas. Google it, mate. That's a good phrase. <laughs> Staying with Australia, the Greens, their Colin could hold the balance of power if there's another close election uh, there. And as I said, we, we did talk about the election on lately last week, but we haven't um, seen or heard a lot about it in our media. Yeah, it's a puzzle really because I think previous elections there's been quite a bit people looking for pointers both you know what the issues are and because you know Australia matters to us a lot economically, socially, um, and 
also because how their politics is conducted might give pointers to uh, you know an election here because we're often not that far out of sync. So this time, not so much. One exception, though, uh, TBNZ's uh, reporter in Sydney, Andrew McFarlane, uh, he picked out a few election issues uh, such as immigration and justice that do have significance here because they cross over with what goes on in New Zealand and political controversies about that. And uh, he dug up a political scientist named Stuart Jackson uh, from the University of Sydney uh, who told him this. The security issues that have been raised by the, the, the announcement of the Chinese defence deal with uh, the Solomon Islands is certainly going to come up for discussion. That's something that both Australia and New Zealand will have to consider much more seriously than they have up until now. Yeah, so interesting. Actually, uh, uh, Stuart Jackson, he sounds like a New Zealander, doesn't he? I'm not actually familiar with him. He began that quote by saying, yeah, look, unfortunately, there's been a whole lot of gotcha stuff and stupid questions to politicians that have sucked up the oxygen. But really, these security issues are important. But I think you won't see, well, you struggle to find a whole lot uh, about that particular issue as it's um, being argued in Australia in the coverage of the election in our media. And why do you think that's the case? Well, for a start, they've got a bit to go. I think that's almost a month to the actual polling day. So, yeah, plenty of chance for more. Um, I guess there's Ukraine, there's COVID, there's just bigger stuff from our world news. Maybe maybe we're a little bored with Australia. And of course, um, just in the last day or so, uh, Jacinda Ardern and others have um, have flown off to Singapore. So the first uh, offshore visit. So that all the politicians, uh, or sorry, political reporters uh, in the gallery, uh, or a lot of them are, are on that trip in tow. So I guess that's taken a bit of the oxygen out. But one exception, um, Luke Malpass, he's the political editor at Stuff. He is Australian. And um, he does a weekly column for the Stuff Papers. And as one last weekend concluded that whoever wins that federal election in Australia, he says the two countries will draw closer. And it won't be anything to do with the controversial issue of, you know, 501s, you know, the the, the deported um, criminals, um, or whether even, you know, we end up with centre-left or centre-right governments in both Australia or New Zealand within the next uh, 18 months or so. Uh, he just says that the big issues are to do with now China, Ukraine, all these geopolitical things, that foreign issues that have been you know, pretty peripheral to us. We've always thought we've been in a, a kind of benign strategic environment in the past. That's been the, the, the sort of tag that's put on this part of the world. Um, but now we are going to have to think about this stuff more. And uh, Luke Malpass says New Zealand's getting pulled into this kind of traditional Western alliance. Um, and that was happening even before um, you know, Ukraine and people having to take sides over that. So yeah, things things could um, could heat up. And those security issues that Stuart Jackson, uh, the political scientist mentioned there, you know, might just get discussed a bit more in Australia. And as polling day gets closer here, Ukraine goes on, those could end up being quite um, interesting issues debated in our media. Well, staying with uh, politicians' gaffes, uh, Christopher Luxon got himself in a bit of a hole last week about subsidised public transport, and it was still getting talked about this week. Yes, I mean, not not the sort of gotcha question uh, that we saw uh, targeting the Australian politicians. In that case, I think he, he gotcha'd himself uh, on that. So last week he was asked by the Herald uh, political reporter Thomas Coughlin about the government's current policy on um, having the fares for public transport. That's part of the measures to uh, address the cost of living. Same with the cutting the petrol excise tax at the same time. And yeah, as, as you, I'm sure you're aware by now, uh, Christopher Luxon said, look, transport has to stand on its own two feet. So then Thomas Coughlin reminded him, 
all public transport is subsidised, no matter where you are, by local authorities or whatever. And uh, he, he added, for good measure, you know, so is the airline that Chris Luxon used to run. Um, and then Christopher Luxon had to backtrack a bit the next day on interviews on Morning Report and so on. Uh, he had to do a bit of that lately. He had to backtrack on uh, Labor Day today, just the, 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 the blurt he did about, um, yeah, if you want to have Matariki, you better cancel Labor Day. He's walked that one back as well. But... Um, the interesting thing about the, the transport was that his fallback position was to say, no, I, I don't mean all transport. Of course I know it's subsidised. I mean the high-cost projects uh, that don't look like they're going to be good investments. Those shouldn't be backed. And it was interesting that he picked out you know, the Tahuia train from Hamilton. That was the kind of go-to one to illustrate the sort of thing he thought was not worthy of subsidy. Yeah, and why that train? Big money loser? Well, yeah, it hasn't been heavily used so far since it was launched, and it has all the coverage of it's been relentlessly negative. I think it's been used as a bit of a stick now to beat the government uh, who backed it, um, the Waikato District Council, which um, backed it and partly pays for it. And in that part of the world, the Herald and News Talk ZB, the big outlets in, in the top of the north of the North Island, they are really... Uh, accentuating the negative on the Tuhuya train. And it came up again in the weekend. This is News Talk ZB's show, uh, Weekend Collective, that has a politics hour. And uh, the host, Tim Roxborough, referenced Chris Luxon's um, public transport gaffe like this. If he was just focused on Tuhuya, he would have had a point. <laughs> because well, well, how much have they spent on that? What does each trip cost to the taxpayer? But Funnily enough, it's not I'd have to story. Google it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's a, it's a dog. Yeah. And it goes at about 35 kilometres an hour as well, I think. Yeah, so there, again, pretty negative. The train is not quite that slow, but just shows all the negative publicity about that train's tough start Um you know, it's it's cut through in the media. That that's all you hear about. And interesting, actually, Tim Roxburgh there also. There he was using the uh, the Google it mate uh, that that gag that shows that one's cut through as well. But but is it a case of the numbers don't lie? I understand that it hasn't been well patronised so far, and some do think that it's costly. Although Colin and I have heard differing opinions because it's early days. Yeah, I mean, sure, it's legitimate to report that. I mean, the the, the subsidies of $100 million plus and so on that have been referenced, there's no way they're making that back. There's, I've seen sums of the actual price, if you put the subsidy back on it, you know, the, the passengers are paying would be, if it wasn't subsidised, something like 200 bucks a ticket. I don't know quite how the numbers all run out. But yeah, clearly, if, if it's not a good investment, if it's not working, totally legitimate to highlight that, to report on it, to comment on it. But, you know, this was launched in the middle of a pandemic, all sorts of disruption to people's working and transport habits. Um, and it does seem to me that News Talk ZB in particular does have it in for that train. Now, in uh, the February, the Waikato Chamber of Commerce released a report that it had actually commissioned an undergraduate intern to, to do, which concluded that the, the train service was actually worse for emissions-wise than actually driving. Um, and that made big headlines in the Herald and uh, was talked about a lot on ZB. So Russ Rimmington, who's the chair of the Waikato Regional Council, uh, went on Mike Hosking's ZB breakfast show and, and tried to tell him, look, this is as, as yet an incomplete service. You know, the, the train to Hamilton, um, to Auckland, could end up linking with the Auckland airport transport in the near future that will make it more attractive to people it could be bigger faster in the future and the council is not responsible for the poor state of tracks and facilities that's been downgraded over years and years so he explained all this but Mike Hosking just blithely labeled the whole train service a bust and then interviewed the 
Chamber of Commerce chief who had commissioned that report uh, that was very negative about its uh, environmental impact. And he, rather menacingly, I thought, told Mike Hosking, this could be a local election issue. And that really puts pressures on the council, who the uh, regional councillors who'd, who'd back that train. So if you fast forward to this week, it came up again in the Herald, um, reporting several Waikato councillors had told Russ Remington to quit or they would roll him as chair of the district council. Mike Hosking seized on that, you know, mocking Russ Remington mercilessly on his show. And, uh, you know, at ZB, they obviously liked it so much they turned it into um, a promo that they ran like this. Russ Remington of Tahuya fame. He's in big trouble. He's the Waikato Regional Council Chair. He's been given a ultimatum by his fellow elected members to get out or he's going to get rolled. So Russ is in real trouble here. It's like you've gone up to him and said, Russ, your time is up. Get out of town. <laughs> and how's he going to get out of town? He's going to take the train. Imagine if the last thing you ever saw was Russ waving bye-bye on Tahuya as he heads to Auckland. <laughs> Classic Hosking, though, isn't it? Par for the course for ZB? Well, I suppose, but that is, that's quite um, punishing, isn't it? I mean, I think that really heaps pressure on a local politician. According to the Herald, there's a whole range of complaints about Russ Remington from his fellow councillors. I don't know about the merits of those, but it wasn't all to do with the train. And in fact, the train wasn't mentioned in the story about that. So Mike Hosking seizes only on that train. Like, absolutely, it's just become a draw card. And most of the council, you know, backed and pay for that train. But I think just to have a go at a council like that, to mock him like that, it's, well, I don't know if it's completely unfair but it's certainly not very classy and any local politician listening to that be thinking can we ever make a bold choice on transport or any kind of investment if we stand to get you know that that kind of comeback and you know that guy was a former mayor of Hamilton he knows how the game is played but yeah I think that's um that's just unfair